Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Did you know that this March, a whopping 86% of you will be sneaking peeks at the games when you're supposed to be working? It's the least productive month in sports, and Dave & Buster's is celebrating with an all-day $5 happy hour on March 21st for the first round of games. So ditch your second tabs for big screens, cold beers, and free Wi-Fi. But most importantly, stop pretending to work at the office and start pretending to work at Dave & Buster's on March 21st at participating locations only. Going deep podcast, we got Super Bowl champion Willie Colon. What's going on, everybody? I am Stephen Che. Really fun uh, show this week. We got all-pro linebacker, pro bowler, just made the pro bowl for the first time, Colts linebacker Darius Leonard, the maniac. Great player, really fun interview. But first, the week that was, Tom Brady is now a Buccaneer. Press conference just happened. It is official. Talking with the, the guys in the front office that we become friendly with, just a, a very... Um, a different sense of, I don't want to say entitlement, but accomplishment around the building. And uh, hopefully we can turn that into some wins. I got a FaceTime from the GM on Saturday night just to say, you know, we did it. Uh, he knows, obviously, you know, we're pals, but uh, I'm a huge fan, so it was a big week. Uh, I didn't want to flood him with text messages this week, so I just, you know, the day it happened, um, I just said, you know, thank you, you're the best, and that was it. Uh, I'm, annoyed. I'm annoyed at the fact that you humbly dropped uh, the GM of the Tampa Bay Bucks name on the floor and stepped right over it. Uh, the fact that an NFL GM called you to say that we made it is quite perturbed. It makes me, uh, it, it destroys, it destroys every fan that really would have wished they can get a call from a GM. Maybe there's some guy who doesn't understand how much of a Bucks fan that, well, let me rephrase that. There's probably some, there's another Bucks fan out there. For instance, everybody's seen the viral clip of that dad who was upset uh, that right. is now with the Bucks. That guy would have loved the call from the GM to say, you know what, sir? Brady's that guy doesn't deserve a call. That guy does not deserve a call. <laughs> that guy would have loved to get a, get a call from Jason Light saying, hey, man, we're going to be fine. We got Brady. Good times are ahead. Instead, he makes the call to Stephen Che. This is why you're running around, pumping your chest, banging your fist on the table, because you think you're that guy. You think you you officially arrived. You're a made man. I got it. What's that? I got a letter from Jameis Winston today. Not a letter, but like uh, unsolicited mail. I don't know even how they got my home address. It was a, an autographed photo. And then a thank you for your support, uh, like postcard uh, from his charity foundation, which was very nice. I wish him nothing but the best. Did you say goodbye to him? I mean, I wished him well. Like, you know, he was the number one pick. He was a guy. I've never had such high hopes for a guy. Than him, I mean, he was it. He was the Andrew Luck prospect. You know, obviously, it didn't work out. He was, um, you know, obviously, he's had some trouble off the field for the past three years. The Uber incident was in 2016. He's been a pretty model citizen and definitely invested a lot in the community with his uh, his Dream Forever Foundation. So, um, you know, I just basically thanked him for that and kind of kept it moving. But uh, I wish him nothing but the best in his next career. Um, speaking of a guy who's going to have uh, a new home, Cam Newton officially yes. released today. Um, where is he going? Uh, for me, I think the only two suitors will have to be – I think if you're Jacksonville, you have to take a peek at him. Yeah, Because, um, listen, whether you like Gardner Minshew or not, you you would have to think Cam Newton's sexier than Gardner Minshew. I understand the mustache. I understand he won you a couple games. Cam Newton, I like the fact that Cam has a chip on his shoulder. Um now, am I happy with the injuries and things he's suffered in the past? A couple, a couple years ago, we were talking like we were talking about Cam Newton be the new face of the NFL. He's taking a dive due to injuries, so I, I, I'm, I'm gonna chalk that up. Um, if you're Miami, you got to take a, PM, a peek at him. I know you love Tua. I know he has the clip that's going around right now. Him taking a couple drop back steps, looking smooth in transition with his feet. That's fine. You got to take a peek at him. And I think, lastly, just from the market appeal. And getting more fans on your side, how can you not say the Los Angeles Chargers? Um, so, yeah, so I think those are my three teams uh, that he possibly – where he possibly can go. Now, the issue is what Cam Newton are we getting? Are we getting the junkyard Cam Newton where he's kind of walking out there, he's hobbled and still dealing with some of his um, injuries? Or are we getting a Cam Newton, as I mentioned before, who has a huge chip on his shoulder, who wants to go out there and throw the ball around, let it rip, and also could be the big guy that's charming and the big smile, the dance moves. I think LA is a great stage for that. If he can go back to be a semblance 
uh, excuse me, a resemblance of what he was a couple years ago. Yeah, hand up. Ever since he was drafted, I mean, the Panthers are are my least favorite team in the NFL. They're just the biggest rival with the Bucks. So I've always hated the Panthers. I hated Cam Newton his entire career. I've been a big scam Newton guy. Um, <laughs> but the, the past few years, I honestly have been finding him a lot more likable with the giving the ball to a kid in the crowd. And, you know, how can you not really support that? It's definitely a, a tough time for him. I mean, former MVP of the league, he was in the Super Bowl a few years ago, you know, taking that team to a 15-1 and record in the regular season. But you know who Cam Newton is? He's Derrick Rose. He's oh. Derrick Rose of the NFL. Like, he was, like you said, about to be the face of the league. He was that guy. 15-1 and MVP season in the Super Bowl, you know. Obviously, a tough game for him. He made what would appear to have been a business decision not jumping on that football. Um, but ever since he's had those injuries, he just can't shake it. He had the shoulder, and he had shoulder surgery. Then he had the ankle that he got hurt in preseason. He tried to play in it, couldn't run. Not the same guy. You know, if he is fully healthy, you can hope to, reta- uh, to regain that MVP form. But, you know, just the amount of injuries that he's had and the fact that he's been a running quarterback um, his entire career where he's – done QB sneaks he's not a big uh hasn't been a big slide guy he's as big as a defensive end so he can take yeah. uh guys on uh, guys head on and he has done that in his career those are adding up you know he's getting up there in age what can you what's the best case scenario I think is like a a low-end starter so you know the charges right now again with Tyrod Taylor um, yeah. could be an option one team I would throw out there that I think would be an interesting fit um, would be the Raiders, another team moving into a new stadium. Not necessarily saying that he's going to um, start over Derek Carr, but he could Don't certainly – Don't forget Marcus Mariota's there too. And Marcus Mariota, yeah. But yeah. Bruton loves to collect quarterbacks. And Cam Newton is – and Bruton has done very well with guys towards the end of their career. You look at Brad Johnson, Rich Gannon, Brian Greasy, Jeff Garcia. Like these, these are the type of guys that he really – specializes in he doesn't like young quarterbacks Derek Carr's not necessarily a young quarterback um, but Cam Newton definitely not a young quarterback anymore uh, so that's one sneaky fit I could see yeah you always have to worry about if wherever Cam goes and, I, and we're calling out a lot of places where he can start if I'm Cam if I have another year to go play for a system where I can actually build my body up get some more rest and possibly be ready if a number one guy goes down I'm looking, hey, send me, to, send me to Pittsburgh, right? You got you got Ben Roethlisberger coming off injury, Tommy John surgery. Valley, he looks good. He looks great. I expect him to look good and look great. But if you're if you're Pittsburgh, you've just seen what life after football, what life after Ben Roethlisberger looks like. It doesn't look so good. And just in case you need a security blanket because your team is getting older, this defense is playing at a high level, you're going to need somebody to kind of push the chain. You know what Duck Hodges can do. You know what you know what Mason Rudolph can do. You got a chance just in case Big Ben gets knocked again. You got a healthy Cam Newton sitting in the wait, uh, sitting on the bench waiting for you. That can help you. I mean, that was the same story with James Winston too, as well. But if I'm if I'm a team who feels like they can be playoff ready, but they're a little nervous uh, in regards to injuries with your starting guy. Uh, if I'm Arizona, I'm taking a peek at him. If I'm if I'm Dallas, I'm taking a peek at him. Cam Cam can help a lot of teams to push on through the season. If you're the Washington Redskins and his former head coach, Ron Rivera, who uh, was the head coach in that 15-1 and season, you have a second-year quarterback who definitely showed a lot of promise towards the end of the year in Dwayne Haskins. Do you risk potentially um, hurting his mentality by bringing in a former MVP like Cam Newton? Or is that just – are you going to just say, that's my guy, I'm going to bring him in, you know, not guarantee him anything, but have him compete with this young guy? Well, the rescue brought in Kyle Allen, so we know there's a little yep. bit of a security blanket there. But I think if you're Ron Rivera, I think you kind of have to divorce yourself with Cam Newton. I think you just kind of push on. You've had him long enough. You know the relationship you guys have on and off the field. But I think big, a, a big part of what not handicapped Cam Newton but became more of a headline for him was him showing up to the podium looking like a runaway model every <laughs> Sunday. Like – People were more interested in what he was wearing and what was coming out of his mouth rather than him playing. And sometimes this is where you kind of wish your powers to be or the people who are supposedly on your team, um, they kind of tap you in the shoulder like, hey, man, I'm not trying to steal you. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to stop you to be who you are, what you want to be. But if every headline is what you're wearing instead of how you're playing, 
Right. That's when you kind of that's when you kind of like, man, how how self-aware is this guy? Because the guy was looking like, you know, there was uh, a lot of memes of this dude looking like a Batman villain for all the things he were wearing. But if I'm Cam, you know, you were on the side of the stadiums. People were calling your name. You were the hottest young thing walking around. At some point, and I'm not saying he has to show up in a business suit and a tie and kind of humble himself. You know, I'm not asking for that. What I'm asking for is Cam, wherever his new situation may be, realize that people want to see him ball. People want to see him get back to the guy that he, you know, the guy that used to rip open his chest and put the suit, wear the Superman ass. If people are start talking about more about what you're wearing and all this stuff, then you're going in the wrong direction. So I think hopefully Cam is aware of that. And, um, you know, I, I wish him the best. I'm a Cam Newton fan. I've watched, I played against him. And, you know, so you talked about how big of a ball player he is. Ben Roethlisberger is a big man. Ben is all of 6'5", 6'6", 250 pounds, 260 pounds. Cam goes toe-for-toe as far as height and and weight size with Ben. I mean, the guy's a specimen. He's a beautiful man as far as looking like what a pro quarterback should look like. And the guy's a juggernaut. So I hope he does get back into being the the big smile, scoring touchdowns, and uh, being a superstar we know he can be. Um, Speaking of superstars, Peyton Manning has turned down the Monday night football job. You know, ESPN getting a little uh, desperate in terms of who they're, you know, they, they just keep getting left at the altar. Not that they kind of made it to the altar with Peyton Manning, but they've been trying to get, uh, amp up this Monday night booth. The perfect who, fit. Who would you like to see in the Monday night booth? We obviously have Joe Tessitore right now and Booger McFarland. Do you want to keep that? Do you want to change it up? Jason Witten was obviously a big swing and a miss uh, the year before. What are you thinking? It's tough because I don't know what's the standard in your eyes, Stephen Shea. What's the standard when it comes to Monday Night Football? Like, who is it? Joe Madden and, and is it those guys? I mean, because those are guys; those are legends, right? Like, that's the foundation of what the game was built on. Um, I don't know if I have a candidate. I think for me, you know, every Romo's the new it, right? He's the new hot girl in the magazine. Everybody wants to be like Romo. Everybody wants the super insight. Um, take you into the trenches and kind of paint the picture for you and then be able to call it out and pretty much give you the answers to the quiz before uh, you get the piece of paper. But not everybody is like that. And I think Peyton, um, to his uh, part of his savvy, he may not be built like that. Not to say Peyton Manning doesn't know the game and he doesn't know football. I think that would be ridiculous. But I think what Tony Romo has done is he has a great delivery. He doesn't come off as a guy who's trying to force football down your throat. He's just telling you how he sees it. He does it in a very calm and charming way. Um, and I think he just he's fouled his niche, which is great for him. But I don't think everybody can be Tony Romo. And I don't think everybody should be Tony Romo. Um, but as far as it being Monday, uh, uh, the next guy to run or kind of host Monday Night Football is sitting in the booth, um, I don't know if I have a guy. I, I think it's I think you got to be careful of going too young. You know, I don't know if. Uh, who the next guy would be. So it's up in the air for me. I, I, I think you have to be careful of hiring comedians. Um, you got to be careful of hiring old guys that look like they should, you know, the hear he, hear he guys. You got to be careful of those old dudes. And uh, so I don't know. I really don't have a candidate for you. All right. Let me throw out a few names for you. So I like Joe Tessitore. He's, I didn't really like him at first, but he's kind of grown on me. I do like Booger. So I'm one of the uh, few people – when he was with, I didn't mind Booger. I thought Booger, Booger got too much heat. Yeah, um, when he was in the 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 snot rocket two years ago, right? Uh, he was very good. I thought in the booth he wasn't as good, like being the the second guy. So if they went to a three man booth, one name I think would be really interesting would actually be a guy who shares the name of Peyton Manning. That's Eli Manning. Oh, recently boy. retired. Eli has been known by those close to him as someone with great comedic timing. He obviously has a brain uh, for the position, the quarterback position, so can break down defenses and things like that. I think he would be a very interesting fit. Some names that have been mentioned um, in that uh, in that vein for that position. Dan Orlovsky is a rising star at ESPN. I think he's really good. I like um, Dan a lot. He is very green, though, so is he ready for that type of role? Um, our old friend Pat McAfee certainly um, has been uh, blowing up in the right. industry and, uh, you know, trying to make his case uh, for that job. And I think he's great. Um, and I so like Pat. Also, also, also uh, would be, I think, an interesting uh, case who played the position. Um, obviously has the face uh, for television, but has been doing some interesting stuff with game day and things like that. So 
I don't think they're gonna have any shortage of suitors, but they really have to make the right decision here. Yeah, I don't I don't mind you throw out the name Pat McAfee and I love Pat. I, I love what he does, uh what he continues to do for football and even his own brand. Um I it just sometimes when it comes to guys with that's you know, quick of wit and smart and funny, um, I, I get kind of tremors of of what Dennis Miller when when he jumped in the booth and how people right, that was a lo- loved him in the beginning. And then after the end of the season, they were just like, kill this guy. Get him out of here. They, they were right. trying to fear him. Um, but obviously, Pat knows way more about the game, uh, actually played it, and, and knows what's going on. It has a temperature of what the NFL is today. But I'm I'm you want somebody that's in between. You want somebody not to feel forced, um, but also somebody that – you know, when they open their mouth, you go, of course, you don't even second guess it. That's what right. Romo does for you. Romo Romo can say anything about the game. You're like, yep, I believe it. So who's that guy and what he looks like? It's going to be tough to find. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this segment has been pre- presented by Mac Weldon. Uh, Mac Weldon, really cool uh, site that uh, has outfitted us. They sent us some gift cards to try out some stuff. Uh, really great. I thought they were just jeans, but they they have everything. They got socks. They got underwear. They got sweatpants. They got undershirts. Um, they got really everything that you need. They got you know really nice uh, shirts as well. Um, really good stuff from Mac Weldon. Uh, Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabri- fabrics, and simple shopping. Very easy to buy, sell, uh, buy and check out. Uh, Mac Weldon is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are natural antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Not only does Mac under, Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform good too. It's great for working out, going on dates, or just everyday life. Mac Weldon really does value its loyal customers. What they've created, the Mac Weldon Blue Loyalty Program. Here's how it works. Create an account totally free. Place an order for any amount. Never pay for shipping again. Once you purchase $200 worth of products from Mac Weldon, not only will you continue to receive free shipping, but you'll start saving 20% on every order you make for the next year. Uh, and level two also grants you access to new products before they are released to anyone else, as well as free gifts on future orders. Um, I ordered their underwear really good. Uh, I got some sweatpants, uh, some underwear. I've been needing some new socks for a while. So this has been a huge, a huge gift. Um, love all their stuff. Underwear is very comfortable. Um, go to MacWeldon.com and enter promo code deep and get 20% off your first order. Again, MacWeldon, that's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com promo code deep and you will get 20% off your first order. Can't recommend this enough. Uh, MacWeldon.com promo code deep. Um, Willie, another thing that happened the past few days, the Los Angeles Rams released their new logo. Um, yeah. Met with a lot of <laughs> mixed reactions online. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, like I told you off air, I thought it looked like um, a logo for a, pan- a plant-based uh, meat company. It doesn't look like something I would jump at and want to put on. Uh, I think this is the wrong, this is the reason why you don't touch what's good for you. The horns, everybody knows the Rams for having a spiral, a spiral horns on the helmet. It was, nothing, it was nothing wrong with that. Nobody ever said, I never heard one person said they hated the Rams helmet or the Rams logo. Not one person. I mean, this is the organization that's been up and down. They've had some glory years. They've had some bad years. But now in L.A., they're trying to figure themselves and re-identify themselves fine. One way you don't do that uh, so you don't lose your old fan, uh, fan base is start over with a new logo. It was a dumb decision. I hate it. It actually looks gross. And I'm uh, not even a Rams fan. Uh, it got leaked like a month ago, I think. Someone uh, got sent a hat, and they like Instagrammed the hat uh, with the logo. It very much looks like uh, what you would think the Chargers logo, who also are in L.A. and have a very similar color scheme, would yeah. look like. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the the physical drawing or, you know, computer creation of the RAM, you know, it's okay. Um, I do like the L.A. with the, the lightning bolt, or not the lightning bolt, but the, the RAM horn. I like the concept of it, but the way yeah. it looks just is confusing considering, you know, they are going to be sharing a stadium uh, with the Chargers. So, um yeah, it was Very a weird – Not like this. Yeah, it was. A, it's a weird logo. I don't like it. I think um, – Color scheme's great. 
I mean, we've got the Hofstra logo right behind the Hofstra jersey right behind you. Same color scheme. Those colors are awesome, but they right. budged the logo again. Uh, my thing is, you know, what was the need to change it? Like, what, what, why did people feel like it needed to change? Remember when back in the day they tried to change the 49er logo? It was like way back in the 80s, I think. Uh, I saw an old photo. But they actually tried to change the 49er logo, and people lost their minds, and they ended up changing it back. Word to the wise, if anybody's listening out there uh, from Ramland, change it back. Just well, yeah, change it back. That's what's happening with yeah. the Browns are going back to their old jerseys, and the Bucks are, um, I think they're going back to a jersey that's going to be similar to their Super Bowl um, okay. uh, run. Uh, and that kind of time with the pewter and red, I haven't seen it. Um, but from the what the heard, Tampa Bay creamsicle is actually good. I think people like the creamsicle colors. I do like the cream skull. I'm rocking yeah. cream skull Tom Brady right now. Can you uh, show people the the name on the back? There is no name on the back. Right. That's the problem. That's right. Not. So Stephen Che decided he was so thirsty for some Brady. He, <laughs> was very he, pre, he pre-ordered his Tom Brady jersey without the Brady on the back. Well, no, I, I got this. I got this from eBay. This is a jersey from like 19. What's a jersey from eBay? Yeah, it's from it's from like 1995. Uh, I think it was. Um, uh, Trent Dilfer's jersey, but they like for whatever reason the name just isn't on the back, so it's perfect. And I, it was a perfect hedge too because if Brady didn't sign, Chris Godwin's still number twelve, so it would have been sweet either way. Double sweet now that we got the greatest player of all time rocking the. Stephen Shea, you don't have Brady or Godwin's name on the back. It's just a random twelve on an orange circle Tampa Bay Bucks jersey. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you know okay you know. okay um all right we're gonna get into this interview very good interview with so thirsty. Uh, all pro pro bowler darius leonard of the colts really cool i did this interview um while willie uh was i think it was like days after right uh, this was the first interview i did days after you had uh four uh um, son uh your son so uh, this was a very fun interview. We got some interesting uh, headlines out of it. But first, this interview is brought to you by Wealthfront. Um, if you have money sitting in a bank account, your bank is making no interest off your money. Um, with Wealthfront Cash Account, you can earn interest on your money. They have one of the highest interest rates in the market and 1.27 annual percentage yield. That's 14 times higher than the national average of 0.09% according to FDIC.gov. It's easy and fast to get started. It only takes $1 and a few minutes to open an account. You can even do it from over your phone. No paperwork required. There are no fees, and your money is FDIC insured up to $1 million through their partner banks. Wealthfront clients trust them with over $24 billion, and clients have earned over $100 million in interest on their Wealthfront cash accounts. Wealthfront is the ideal way to manage your money. You can save, plan, invest, and get financial advice all in one place. And they make your money work harder for you. Make money management easier and reach your financial goals faster with wealth. Uh, with uh, the winner of NerdWallet's Best Robo-Advisor for Cash Management in 2020, Wealthfront. So right now, go sign up for a Wealthfront cash account in less than five minutes by by visiting wealthfront.com slash going deep, all one word. Uh, again, go to wealthfront.com slash going deep and start earning 14% or 14 times more interest on all your savings. Again, that's wealthfront.com slash going deep. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash going deep. Wealthfront is not a bank. Cash amount, a cash account is offered by Wealthfront Brokerage LLC member FINRA SIPC. Wealthfront conveys funds to partner banks who accept and maintain deposits, provide the interest rate, and provide FDIC insurance. The APY is subject to change. NerdWall is a solicitor of Wealthfront Brokerage and may receive cash payment for the referral services. All pro, pro bowler. Congratulations on your first Thank pro you. bowl. Colts linebacker Darius Leonard in studio. How are you doing, Darius? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. Um, so I want to, in this in these podcasts, we like to kind of start chronologically. You've had a very long football career, obviously, already. Um, but Lakeview, South Carolina, um, you're one of nine kids. Tough upbringing. But one thing I want to focus on is uh, what you did kind of in your off time uh, as a youth, and that is chasing cows. <laughs> Yeah. So, so talk to me about how that kind of uh, helped with your football career, kind of got you um, better at football. Um, well, my one of my one of my close friends, uh, Brody Smith, um, 
his dad owns a lot of cows, you know, and, you know, every time they got out, you know, you had to find a way to get them in. So he know that I enjoy, like, running around, chasing chasing animals. So he always called me to run around. And, you know, you got to think. You got to think pretty you know, you got to have a strategy when you're mm-hmm. chasing cows because, you know, you want them all going in the same direction. You don't want them to split up. And you got to be able to face it, uh, face a cow, face, like, face-to-face. You know, they're running right at you. You got to be, How big are these cows? The cows are huge. Like a couple hundred, like 500 pounds? Um, more than, more than, that? than that. Yeah, a couple. I, they got to be like a, they, they have, I'd give them about 800, 600. Wow, okay, like yeah. Yeah, they're huge. So, I mean, you got to have enough guts to kind of stand there. I mean, there have been plenty of times where I run behind a tree. You know, <laughs> right. Just because the bull coming a little, right. little too fast. Yeah. But, you know, it just shows you that you got to be quick. You got to be able to um, be able to stand your ground and kind of, you know, just focus in eye to eye and see who, see who, got, the, who got the biggest heart, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lakeview, South Carolina, the population is like roughly like 800 there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that, your hometown, mean to you? Um, it means everything. Um, and you recently got a key to the city. Oh yeah, I did. Um, my my town's mean everything because you know we're we're all about sports, you know, and we all about um our schoolwork too. I think when when I was there in high school, I think we won Palmetto School maybe three three or four times um there when I was there, and um you know I played basketball, baseball, and uh, football, so. The town loved their sports. They loved their athletes. And, you know, that town just every Friday night was it was crazy. Like how the how the town came together. And they care about you there and leave you. Like there's no such thing as you standing on the side of the road and you need someone to help you. There's nobody just gonna ride by you. Like people actually care about you. So once once I grew up and kind of learned about Lakeview, learned the history and everything of where Lakeview um, came about. And I come out of Lakeview knowing that, you know, it's a small town who gets no respect. Uh, right. The football program get no respect. Um, I witnessed, I think, in 2000 and 2003, maybe, we had a running back. And I really think that he was the best thing that South Carolina, you know, have seen at running back. But he played in 1A football right and he didn't even get the the zoning of the year and his numbers was crazy i think he rushed like over three thousand yards and he wasn't even playing the whole game he was playing like two quarters and they didn't respect that i mean us one of the guys we play both sides of the ball Mm -hmm. and there are guys who's playing 3A, 4A, who's playing one side of the ball that gets way more credit. But, you know, sure. it's, it's crazy when you can go for a 1,000 yards on offense right. and then 100 and some tackles on defense <laughs> and you get no respect. So uh, we're a town with a big heart, um, uh-huh. and we we take everything serious. And it's so, like, the the love that I have for my town is unreal. Did you play both sides of the ball in high I school? I did. Okay, would you play uh, on offense? I played receiver and running back. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so I want to bring up kind of a painful memory, your last game in high school. Doing my research on you, yeah. it seems like you're a guy who carries a chip on his shoulder oh, yeah. and uses that kind of as motivation. I, you know, I heard you on Pardon My Takes and you name search yourself after oh, yeah. every game just to, just to you know get that fuel for the next game. But can you tell me about your last game in high school and how that kind of changed your football career? Last, my last game in high school, um, I was playing in Lower State at home. Um, we was up by 21 in the first, I mean, fourth quarter. Up by twenty one. Um, then uh, it came down. They came back. They they scored a last time, and they went for two, and they ran the ball right at me, and I was like, okay, cool. It's time to make a play. Right. I get stiff on, right into the dirt. They score. Go back. Go up by one, and right then I made me realize that hey, I don't want to feel that feeling again. Um, there's no such thing as being good. Because, I mean, in high school, you know, you have that arrogance at times saying, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I can do this. But that really humbled me right then and said, you're not good. You're not mm-hmm. good enough. Because if you was good enough, you would have made that play. And I never wanted to feel that feeling again. So I made sure that I put pressure on me. I trained hard. I wake up before everyone. And I wanted to prove that I can play. And, you know, that feeling sucks. I feel like I let the team down. And mm-hmm. me being a competitor – I don't want to let my team down. So any missed tackles that I have or any dropped interceptions, I, I I take that to heart and I really like hold myself to like a a high standard and that that really changed my whole playing career. 
being up 21 in the fourth quarter, this is way before your time, 2003, the Bucks were up 21 points Monday night against the Colts. Peyton, oh, yeah. Peyton Manning <laughs> uh, did what Peyton Manning does. You guys came back one in overtime off of a bullshit uh, <laughs> leaping penalty, which is the first time I've ever seen a leaping penalty. Mike Vanderjack missed the kick. Dang. Anyway, moving on. Um, so college, you went to South Carolina State where you got the nickname the Maniac. Yes, sir. For uh, the amount of tackles that you made. What was the kind of the origin of that? Um, and then how did that name just kind of like stick? Um, you know, I was I came in. I won. um I won the MEAC rookie of the year, my first year, second year. Um, um, I was, I was with a teammate named Javon Hargrave. He won MEAC mm-hmm. player, the defensive player of the year, two years in a row. He's a great guy, great player, but I was still playing well. So going into my junior year, uh, the second game of the season playing against Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, go in, I have 19 tackles, a block field goal and came back on campus and dude said, man, you play like a straight maniac. And once he said that, it kind of stuck. And I had a persona where I wanted to say, okay, when I'm on the field, I'm a different guy. But when I'm off the field, I'm a great guy. I'm that polite guy. Um, I can go by, I can say, hey, you know, someone could come up and easily talk to me. And I'm that that sweet, caring guy. And when I'm on the field, it's a different person. So that's when the maniac persona kind of came along. Uh, so being at South Carolina State, not an enormous school prospect-wise, but you get the invite to the Senior Bowl. What was that like for you being from South Carolina State? And then, you know, in that game, you had 14 tackles. You kind of made a name for yourself throughout practice that week. So what did you take that trip to Mobile as like, this is a business trip. Oh, yeah. like, I got to put my name on the map. Oh, yeah, because I mean, but like I said, with the respect um, of coming out of high school, going to my high school, we get no respect because it's a small school. Yeah. South Carolina State gets no respect, mm-hmm. which we have the most Hall of Famers in South Carolina. Really? We have more than Clemson. We have more than South Carolina. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but anywho, but I mean, yes, well, you know, coming out, you know, I was, I'm not, we're not getting a lot of publicity. We're not getting nobody's coming to really, you know, having that talk. So I went and I wasn't just putting on for me. I was putting on for South Carolina State, all HBCUs and South Carolina, you know, yep. in my small town, I wanted to prove that we could play. And I went in, I had that same mindset um, of I wanted to learn. I, I didn't just want to go in and say I'm good. Right. I mean, I was going in, I was going to get coached by NFL coaches. Yep. And, you know, that's the dream. So if I knew that an NFL coach was telling me something, he was telling me the right thing. Mm-hmm. So um, Coach Coach Bobby King for the Houston Texans was, was my coach. And, you know, I was taking – everything he said too hard. And my first day in one-on-ones was terrible. Really? was terrible. And, like, at South Carolina State, we didn't do one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I went in, I went in, and I was like, okay, I just got to go in blind, and I got to go off athleticism. And, you know, with guys playing in bigger, bigger systems, you know, they they do this day in and day out. And, you know, I was nervous going in, Um and the first day was terrible. I went in to Coach Bobby's office, and he's telling me, hey, for one, your eyes are terrible. Yeah. Uh, for two, your feet is not doing this. And, you know, every day I just kind of want to get better, and I and I got better day in and day out. And, and then on uh, on game day, uh, we had a couple linebackers who kind of who kind of didn't play. Uh, so I was like, all right, great. You know, that's perfect. Right. Uh, that is perfect. I was glad that they didn't play. I was glad that I was going to be able to play the whole game because I was like, okay, if I'm going to play, I want every single tackle. I want to be the defensive player of the game. And I still got it in my notes where I wrote that I was going to be the defensive player of the game in my notes before the game. And, you know, I went out with that with that mindset that I'm out here trying to prove a point. Mm-hmm. And, and after, you know, after, after the game, they were like, hey, man, he had 14 tackles. I was like, whoa, I did not. You know, know that I have 14 tackles. And, you know, it was kind of uh, a lot of weight kind of left my shoulders. I was like, whoo, finally. Right. I'm playing against all the big-time guys. And, you know, I played well playing against all the big-time names. And they said the small town or the small school guys aren't good. And I came in and I proved that I could play. And that was a – I had a powerful picture where I made a, I made a play. And everybody around me – had all big time name logos mm-hmm. on their helmet, and yeah. I'm just standing there with my fist balled up with the South Carolina State logo, and it, it was just amazing. That's a cool photo. Um, so you go from 
the combine you are sorry the senior bowl you carry that momentum to the combine but you injure your quad running the 40 what type of setback was that like for you just because you know you had just kind of put yourself on the map and wanted to show yourself that it was testing. it was the biggest setback i think for me because yeah. i knew i was gonna go in and kill like the the vertical, I knew I was going to jump over 40. Broad jump, I knew I was going to jump like a 10, 8, 10, mm-hmm. 11. Wow. And I knew I was going to run it like a 4, 5, 2. Mm-hmm. And then I came in and, you know, I was warming up. I felt great. I mean, my takeoffs was, I mean, my practice runs was, I mean, I felt amazing. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm about to kill it. And then as soon as I took off, I got maybe 5 to 10 yards out. I felt my quad. I wish I would have stopped. And I uh-huh. kept pushing through it. And by the time I got about, 30 yards out, I just felt the boom. Uh, and I was like, no way. So I kept, I wish I would have stopped because they said I ran a 4.7. Uh, that, that time stuck that, with me. Yeah. And everybody said, Darius Leonard ran a 4.7. I'm like, oh, I hate that number because that's right. not me. Like, even though I, like, I'm, a, I'm the probably biggest competitor ever. And I'm always competing with the linebackers. And, you know, we, we talk trash. And every time we talk trash about racing, they throw up there, hey, me, ran a 4.7 at the combine. <laughs> So I'm like, man, I'm I had a busted quad. Right. That, that was, so you finished it, like so that that number really it really sucks. But I was glad that my my junior day I ran a four five three. So that okay. really kind of helped me out a little bit, I guess. Right. Well, I mean, the arguably the greatest football player of all time, Jerry Rice, ran I think like a four six five or yeah. something like that. So, but his routes was sick. <laughs> yeah, it was different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't win football games in track pants. That's that is a true statement. Yeah. Um. So going into the draft, you're ranked the sixth best inside linebacker by none other than Mel Kuyper Jr. Um, you were the fifth linebacker taken overall behind Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, Leighton Vander Esch, Rashawn Evans. I mean, these guys can play, but, you know, your rookie year, uh, you know, was something else. So uh, Bleacher Report, I know, uh, <laughs> said that you were, you know, the worst pick in the draft at the time. The Colts organization, Chris Ballard, you know, Frank Reich, what did those guys uh, pre-draft process kind of uh, instilling you? Did you know you were going to the Colts? And then, you know, kind of um, how did you feel when you got picked 36th overall? Um, You know, looking at the looking at the draft projection and saying that I was a number six um, inside linebacker, you know, I was looking at it like, whoa, because I knew that the other guys was going first round, you know, mm-hmm. just because, you know, watching them and, you know, they're getting all the publicity. So you sure. know that, wait a minute, these guys are going to be going quick. But then I get my draft grade. It said it's going to be third or fourth round. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I mean, that's fine. I just want an opportunity. Sure. And then once I got drafted, got called where's draft pick. And I was like, whoa, that was, I mean, that was that was very mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But during the draft process, um, I, Jamie and I, Jamie Moore is the, the scout for, for the Colts. Okay. I mean, we was communicating a lot, but I never went on a visit there. Like, really? You didn't go to I top visited, 30? I, I did not think I was going to Indy. In my mind, I felt like I was going to Miami or Pittsburgh. That was so you're a Pittsburgh type linebacker. Yeah, too. so in my mind, that's where I thought I was going, and so it was crazy because the day before the draft, mm-hmm. Jamie Moore calls me, okay. say, "Hey, linebacker coach wanted um, wanted you to come work out." The day before the draft. Yeah, so I was like, because um, <laughs> I was dealing with my quad injury, uh, okay. and I was pushing through and making my quad injury worse mm-hmm. by performing during the draft process when I should have been resting. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this chance. Um, no, I can't. I ain't going to do it. Uh, draft day is tomorrow. Uh, I'm trying to get my quad to 100%. So I'm not uh, – I can't do it. So I was like, well, Colts out of it. <laughs> right. I don't I don't think I'm going to go to the Colts because, I mean, I really just shut them down. Like, no, I'm not – no, I can't work out. And then my pro day, um, my pro day, um, I went in – my my quad was still probably eighty five percent, and I'm doing drills, not not well because I mean I couldn't move, and then they, which I hate that they put that pressure on me. I'm like I do not want to do my five ten five. I don't want to do it. Every this time. is a your pro day, your school. Yeah, they can script it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, so no, it was. I mean, when at a pro day, you know, your coaches don't run the drills. The NFL guys come and run the oh, drills. Oh, okay. Yeah, and which is which is so messed up with the process. They don't care if you hurt, which is it yeah. sucks. They they really don't care. Uh-huh. And you as a guy, and especially a guy like me, coming from a small school, you know that you gotta check every box. Yeah. So I mean, I did I did my position work. So I was like, okay, 
I felt fine doing my position work, but I not I'm not gonna open up. Like they they got upset with me because after I finished drill, you know you're supposed to finish hard. Mm-hmm. But I came out, I did two steps, I felt it, so I pulled off. So that was like, all right, there's you're not finishing. I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna try to finish, but you know, my quad. Right. So I get through, I did my drills. They were like, Darius, you gotta do your five ten five L drill. So I'm like, I'm hurting. We don't care. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this, but right. I really th- they they're really making me do it. So I was like, well, if I don't do it, you know, my draft stock gonna go down. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, do I do I take the risk? But I mean, I had to, so I did it, and it was terrible. Okay. Like my times was terrible, and I really felt like that that kind of you know messed me up a little bit. And then they called me on draft day. I looked down because my agent called me on the second day of the draft. And he was like, uh, my, I just talked to Miami. They're thinking about picking you up. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, cool. So this is two, two, um, two picks later. So I'm walking around. I'm not even looking at the draft. I'm right. not even looking at it. I'm walking back in the house. And next thing you knew, I was wearing an Apple Watch at the time. And I phone rang. And I looked down and said, Indianapolis, Indiana. I was like, oh, snap, this can't be it. <laughs> yeah. And then that's your new, like, uh, what's up? This Chris Ballard. I was like, oh, snap. And, you know, it kind of kind of went for that. The rest of history. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so your rookie class, unbelievable rookie class. I mean, Quentin Nelson, uh, who was actually the recipient of the Boy Award, the Block of the Year. Uh, I met him actually in Orlando when I met you. I congratulated him on the block here, the, the block on Miles Jack, where he was coming around uh, the edge. Quentin made the block from the left guard position. Um, but uh, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Naheem Hines, a couple other guys in that class. Um, what was your – it was obviously a big class. You know, you and Braden Smith picked back-to-back. What was that rookie dinner like for you? Was that offense-defense kind of separated? Uh, um, how, was that, how was that done? Well, rookie rookie dinner is um, it's all about position groups. Okay. Um, so, I mean, luckily we drafted four linebackers, <laughs> four or five linebackers, and we only had two vets. Okay. Najee Good, he was there. He's been in the league, uh, I think, well, that was his seventh year. Yeah. And we had Anthony Walker, but it was only his second year. Okay. So we really didn't have no vets that really go crazy. So, I mean, us six together, our check came out to be like 1200 Oh, So that was easy. But uh, the check this year for our rookies, yeah, we, <laughs> we ran it up on him a little bit. They, yeah. only, they only had two. Yeah. So, yeah, we ran it up. Um, So – uh, rookie year, you know, you kind of made a statement immediately. Week two of your rookie year, you had 19 tackles, 15 solo tackles, and a 21-9 win against the Redskins. You won AFC Defensive Player of the Week, week two. What were you kind of, you know, obviously coming in from a smaller school, um, what was your kind of mindset going into that rookie year, knowing that you had, you know, five guys picked in front of you and all these, you know, draft crits? Um, I wanted to prove that I could play. Um, I still think that I wasn't getting any respect. Uh, like, because when I came in, they said I was the worst pick taken. And, you know, I took that to heart. And I was like, okay, I wanted to show that Chris Ballard and them know exactly what they're doing. They got a great pick. And, you know, going in, I was like, okay, I'm going to always set goals for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I got to I gotta go out and I got to do something big. And I got to earn my respect out here in this league. And that's the only thing I had in my mind, that I wanted to prove that I could play at any level. And when I went in, um, first game, I think I had like eight tackles against Cincinnati, and I was like, "That's that's not good enough." Mm-hmm. Um, anything below twelve to fifteen tackles a game isn't good in my books. My my goal is fifteen tackles every single oh. game, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's 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 not good enough. That's not acceptable." And when in week two and had that big game, I was like, "All right, cool. Now now I can be myself. Now I can be comfortable. Now that I got more guys saying, okay, Darius, you you can play. All right, we trust you. And, you know, in the NFL, that's, that's the biggest thing. You got to have a teammate to trust you, and then you can really open up. Like, when you watch you watch film on me, the first, the first maybe four games, I wasn't myself. You can see I wasn't an energetic guy. I wasn't the guy who's, like, you know, having fun with the fans because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was nervous and – you got to earn your way to be able to do stuff like that. And right. once I felt like I had a team trust, the coaches was behind me, and I was like, okay, now I can really open up and I can be myself. Was any of it just like thinking the game and just like not being up to speed? Like I know, you know, I'm a Bucks fan. Uh, Devin White early on, you know, great player, top fifth overall pick. Um, but early on, he's even said he's, you know, thinking the game, you know, kind of not be, more thinking than reacting when he should just kind of let it go. Um, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. People people think I'm crazy about this, but 
my first week in the NFL, when I say I went home, I had an office. So I'm going to like this. I had, I had my chalkboard, well, not chalkboard, but my whiteboard. And when I say I could have told you every single thing that since he was running, I could have told you everything. And I went into the game. I knew what they were going to do on every single thing, and I was thinking entirely too much. And then the second week, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not watching film. I didn't watch film. I re- I just listened to the coach, and I remember everything that he told me. And I went in, and I played free. Like So I just watched. The only thing I watched film was when I was in the coach's office. Yeah. And at home, I said, no, that's family time. You know what? I'm not watching no more film at home. Wow. Now I do not even – I do not cut my iPad on at home. So I went in, and I had a 19, 19 tackles game. Yep. And I was like, you know what? I think I just figured, figured that was my problem. And I haven't watched film at home ever since. Really? So how much time during the week do you spend watching film, like in you know positional meetings and, and things like that in, in the facility? And then just um, zero at home? In the facility, um, i say maybe – I give it about three hours. Okay. About yeah, could we go in first time? Probably meet for an hour and a half before practice, and then after practice, we meet about a about an hour. But um, we walk through a lot, and yeah. I take every walk through rep. So it feel like I I don't seen this play at least ten to fifteen times a week. Yeah. So by the time I get to the game, when I see a formation, I'm like, okay, I know what they're doing. Right. So um, I think just a, a walk through reps because if I see it once. I don't think that, you know, it's hard to get me again unless it's a grab route. I take okay. the bait every time. I hate that. <laughs> I got to get better at that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I, I would pass that on to, to my uh, my Bucks comrades. You, you don't, but, you don't uh, have we're, to. We're they, not they playing, you guys. We're not playing you guys for several years. <laughs> All right, that was Darius Leonard, Colts Pro Bowl middle linebacker. We're going to get the back to that interview in a second. But the rest of this interview is brought to you by Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune, or there's an, uh, the other way. Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection. The two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole family in safety. You get a comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras, doorbell alerts, and anyone uh, to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard the inside. You barely even notice it there. It's really a remarkable system and set up all by yourself. I actually have one of these systems. I use it every day. Um, we set it um, whenever we leave the house, then whenever we return. And then at night, it's very easy to set a home setting. And then, you know, if, if for whatever reason, uh, a door opens or anything like that, there will be a timer that will set off a really big alarm and then, you know, call the police. So it's actually great. Like it lets my family sleep a lot easier. Um, the setup was really easy. It takes, you know, 30 minutes, an hour tops. Like it took me, I think, under 30 minutes. There's absolutely no trade-offs for their safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to, uh, ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice, 24-7. And it's only 50 cents a day, no contracts. That's why Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash deep today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Again, go to simplysafe.com slash deep. That's simplysafe.com slash deep. You know, we advertise for a bunch of things on the show. I genuinely have a Simply Safe system. It is awesome. I can't recommend it anymore for home security. We had a, a break-in scare a couple of years ago. It was actually a false alarm, but it spooked us into getting a Simply Safe, and we have never had a problem um, sleeping again at night. We know, you know, the Simply Safe uh, system is working. We hear it and feel it whenever we, you know, enter and exit a room. Uh, very easy. It's just a little chirp. It, really great product. I would very, very highly recommend it. So affordable. I mean, Willie, you know, you've got uh, a little one at home now. So easy. Um, to uh, protect your family, just 50 cents a day. Uh, but now let's get back into our interview with all pro linebacker, Darius Leonard. Okay. So your rookie year, you made first team all pro. So you were the best at your position in the league as voted by, you know, writers and things of that nature. Um, you did not, however, make the pro bowl. Um, what was that feeling like? And did that kind of fuel you? Because yes. this, this year, <laughs> your second year, you did make the pro bowl. Yeah. Um, it was, all right, so I was home. Um, I was home, I guess. Maybe that was our bye week before it was announced. So we had, I don't know why I went home. I can't remember why I went home. But I was like, you know, I got to get back before the Pro Bowl is announced. So, I mean, I 
So we already thinking, okay, I was thinking about my season. I was looking at all the linebacker numbers. I was like, there's no way that I'm not going to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Eric Ebron came to the house. I knew he was going to the Pro Bowl. We was going to watch it 14 together. 14 touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, all right, you know, you're going, you know, I'm going. We're going to have to, we got we to plan this trip together. So we're, we're at my house, and I get a call. They said, uh, you know, you're a Pro Bowl alternate. And, you know, I'm a rookie, so I don't really know exactly what that means. So I was happy at first. I think I made a Pro Bowl. Sure. I said, wait a minute. Call them back. Um, what did the alternate mean? <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, well, you didn't make it, uh, but uh, if somebody drops out, you have a potential uh, a potential spot. So what? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. How? Like, how? How? So I was, when I say I was crushed, yeah. I was crushed. And, and I was like, well, like, what else do I have to do? Yeah. Like you, Pro Bowl is about the best players in the NFL, not 10 years ago, not five years ago, right. but that year. And I was like, yo, my, I really think that I did enough to make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you made first team. Yeah, and I was, when I said I was, I was so hurt, I was devastated. And Abron was there, and, you know, he was getting so many calls. I was like, ah. And then, he, like, we, like I said, I'm a competitor, so yeah. Ebron's talking trash, and I'm like, I can't really say nothing because you're a pro bowler. I'm not. Right. And, like, he always, like, he always threw it in my face last year. He was like, yeah, man, uh, what you wearing to the pro bowl? And I just give him this, like, this death look. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, come on. And, you know, they just gave me that extra drive. Said, wait a minute, I, got, I still got something to prove. Yeah. And it's just been the same way ever since. Yeah, wow. That that's devastating. Yeah, it was yeah. man. It was I was heartbreaking, heartbroken. Yeah. Um. So what did that mean when you finally did make that trip to Orlando this year, and when you got that call that you were going to be on the pro? Man, process? it was it was great. It was a great experience. You know, being around all the best guys in the NFL, guys that you watched since you was young. Um, you know, just kind of picking their brains a little bit. You know, seeing them outside of football, it's kind of kind of good. And like when I walked in, you know, my first. My first year, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really think that, you know, anyone knew me. Right. And then, like, having guys come up and say, hey, man, you're a good player. I respect you. I'm like, wait, 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 what? So, because, I mean, I knew that that's how I come along to people. Like, if I see that you're a great guy or a great player, I'm going to say, hey, man, you, I respect your game. You're one hell of a hell of a ball player. Sure. And seeing guys come up to me and tell me that, I was like, whoa, this, this is pretty cool. Like, I, look, I looked up to Earl, Earl Thomas because he's a great like, great, great guy. I mean, he's a great football player. You, like, watch him all the time, see how many plays he make. And, you know, being able to sit there and, you know, talk to him and, you know, playing playing along with him, it was an amazing uh, experience. Um, this year at the Pro Bowl, I know Von Miller got it. everyone a gift. What was that gift? Uh, it was a – it was a – what is it, Cohart? Yeah. Yeah, it was a Cohart uh, bag. It had a Pro Bowl football and a, and a Pro Bowl Cohart hat. Wow! Yeah, it was pretty dope. That was that was amazing. How amazing album! So he's a guy that has cashed in obviously on his value. I mean, he's worth. I mean, he's an unbelievable player. As I mentioned before, Devin White, when he was about to get drafted, said he wants to be the first hundred million dollar linebacker. Now, Me too. guys, <laughs> so guys, guys have been getting that money. C.J. Mosley, you know, the the uh, position has been picked up in value. C.J. Mosley recently signed a five year, eighty five million dollar deal with the Jets, fifty one million guaranteed. So. Is that a goal of yours to be the first hundred? You will your contract will be up being a second round pick before Devin White. Do you want to be the first hundred million dollar linebacker? Um, I do, I do. But you know, in my mind, you got to prove it. You yeah. got to prove it year and year out. They're not just about to throw you money. And of course. in my mind, hey, I want to be the best. So once it's up to my contract, I want my numbers to be not even close to any other linebacker. I want it to be no question that, hey, this guy needs to be paid this much. So um, I just try to try to work as hard as I can in the offseason, then go to the season with that same chip on my shoulder and look at every bad tweet, you know, every every bad uh, criticism and take it to heart to go out there and prove that you can play. So then when it's up to my contract year, yes, I do want to set the new market for the linebackers. Awesome. Um, so I know that, you know, speaking of tweets, uh, defensive player of the year this year went to Pat's cornerback, Stefan Gilmore. Mm-hmm. You weighed in on Twitter and you said the defensive player of the year had six interceptions as a DB. I had five as a linebacker, plus five sacks and 120 tackles, and my name wasn't even mentioned. Come on, man. I'm very humbled, but when I'm getting disrespected, I will address it. Keep giving me that motivation to prove y'all wrong. 
thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, like like I say, man, Stephon Gilmore is a great guy, great player, and he deserved Defensive Player of the Year, hands down. I mean, he shut down everybody he played against. You know, mm-hmm. I I didn't like I told him like I like right after I put that tweet up, I texted him. I was like, listen. That tweet wasn't at you. I do think you deserve it, and you one great guy. I said my thing was with my numbers, my name wasn't even mentioned. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, that was hurt me the most. My name right. wasn't wasn't even mentioned. And if you say defensive player of the year, you know we're not talking about you know that's an individual award. Mm-hmm. All right, people say all right, your team was trash. Uh, okay, cool, my team was trash, but you know. That's not a team award, right? You know, that's an individual yep. award. Which now I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm all about individual awards, but mm-hmm. what I'm in my mind, like I said, I'm a competitor. I want my name to be at the top of every list of every year. So you know, you want to check every box. So when your name don't even be mentioned, and you feel like you just had one of the best years as a linebacker at five sacks, five interceptions, plus 120 tackles, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I'm, I know I'm not going to win defensive player of the year, but it's going to be great to have my name mentioned. Right. And it wasn't mentioned. I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I have a feeling you're going to be mentioned uh, in that conversation for years to come. But speaking of a guy who has been in that conversation for years to come, what are your thoughts on Luke Keekley's early retirement? Um, um, you know, with me battling my first concussion. Yep. And out for three or four games this I year. I was out for three games. Three Would games. have been four if we'd had the bye week. Mm-hmm. Um and I see how much it like it's it was terrible. Like headaches for three weeks straight, not knowing when will you be back to your normal self. And you have to think about longevity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Luke Keekley he proved himself. I mean, yeah. he came in, he well, it was two-time defensive player of the year or one? Uh, I think two. Well, I mean, so he came in, he did everything. So, I mean, when I came in, you know, watching guys who's playing in the NFL, you know, I, I looked at Bobby Wagner, I looked at Luke Keekley. Okay. Watching how them two played the game, and Luke Keekley was so smart. And I got to witness it firsthand this, this year. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, watching him play, I was like, why is he lined up on the wrong side? <laughs> that's why That side is wide open. They run the ball right to him. I'm like, oh, this dude knows what he's doing. So, I mean, I respected his decision just because, you know, when you're like, when Andrew retired. Yeah. When, listen, when your body tells you, listen, you got to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Your body is your temple. And when football is over for you, Mm -hmm. they don't care. Yeah. They don't care what you're doing after football. So, this is a business. And I respect that he walked away when he wanted to walk away, not because. terms. Yeah. And. You know, I, I respect his decision because, you know, that's a lot of people who always say that, man, he could have did this, he could have did that. But do you know what an NFL body really takes mm-hmm. year in, year out? And it, and it sucks because guess what Guess what? The, guess what they're doing? Guess what the Panthers are doing? All right, they're just going to pay another guy. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, they really, I mean, they care about you while you plan. They want to make sure that you're happy. But mm-hmm. once you're done, they really don't care because they got to look for another guy. So, I mean, you got to take care of your business and your body is your business. Yeah. Um, so one game and one player I want to ask you about in particular. So uh, week one, 2019, you guys played the Chargers, a game you guys lost mm-hmm. 30 to 24. Uh, a guy who has been linked to Indy just because he has coaching ties there um, is uh, Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get your take on Philip Rivers. That game, he was 25 for 34, three touchdowns and one pick. What type of player is Philip Rivers at the quarterback position? And does he still have the juice? Um, yes, he still has the juice. Um, you know, he's been, he's been playing for a minute. And I watched yeah. him. Um, my brother actually got drafted there in 2007. Okay, So I've... I watched him, you know, yeah. I watched him when they had Darren Sproles yeah. and, you know, he's still that same, that same guy, mm-hmm. you know, he's still throwing touchdowns. He's still getting out of the pocket, um, breaking through um, tackles, uh, getting out of sacks. So, I mean, yes, I, I witnessed that. I, I do think he, he still have um, everything. He's a competitor, trash talker. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he, he definitely no cursing, still got though. No cursing. Nah, but he's, he, he talks a lot of trash. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask Jay Cutler <laughs> that. Um, but yes, so uh, we'll close on this. Uh, your future, you've been in, in you've been in the league two years. First team All Pro, second team All Pro this year. Uh, pro Bowler. What do you want the future of Darius Leonard to be? If you had to, uh, you know, look back on your career five years after it's done, and you know, 
I do think that you could, you know, obviously, if you keep up this pace, you are on pace to be a first ballot Hall of Famer without question. It's still obviously very early. But what do you hope for your <clears throat> career moving forward? I hope for my career, um, I'm going to say I play two years. I'm going to say 12 years I want to play. Um, I want to, so since it's, I got 10 more years, I want to be a 10-time defensive player of the year. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say I'm gonna say eight-time eight time Super Bowl champion, uh, seven-time Super Bowl MVP. I'm gonna let somebody else win one <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, like you said, a Hall of Famer, and yep. you know that's that's the way I play the game. And you know, I watch film on a lot of guys. You know, mm-hmm. it's you know playing playing linebacker. Um, you watch all the guys in the league because you know they playing against the offense that you are gonna play. And I see that a lot of times when the play go opposite side, they shut down. Mm-hmm. No, 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 not not me. I I want every play and. I just pray that I keep that greediness. Mm-hmm. You know, I want my teammate to make the play, but I really don't. I want to make the play. Right. And I put every pressure on me. Like, every game that we lost when we were, and we were up in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, I put that on me. I don't put it on the offense. I put that on me because if they don't score, they don't win. And I want to be able to say that I played on a not good but a great defense. And to be great, you got to be able to stay consistent and shut people out. And I only have one shutout in my career, mm-hmm. and I want more. Okay, that's awesome. All right, so future Defensive Player of the Year, Darius Leonard. What was your favorite part of that interview? Um, you know, I think we had the privilege of meeting the, the uh, my fellow frat brother. Um, yes, yes, I forgot about that, yes. Yeah, he's, 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 an, Omega, he's an Omega man. Um but I, I got to say this, meeting him at the Pro Bowl was cool because he, you know, he's a big-time player. You're talking about having, you know, Huge. having five sacks, five interceptions. Um, you know, he was a tackling machine, a guy who's now the face uh, of that defense. When if you go back to the Colts years ago, a couple years ago, um, it was a guy by the name of Dwight Freeney and a guy uh, – uh, and, and a host of other guys who kind of led that defense um, into historic ranks. Now this guy, by the name of Darius Leonard, big time linebacker, has a little bit of an underdog. I think not want to say underdog, but he definitely walks around with with, with a, kind of a chip on his shoulder because he came from South Carolina State, yep. HBCU. A lot of people didn't know who he was. He was snubbed his first year. Uh, in the league, he was supposed to be go to the Pro Bowl. He didn't make it. Um, he talked about that, and I think when I haven't watched the guy play, um, and he even mentioned in a podcast how he doesn't watch film, right? So unless you know he's an instinct ball at player, home, yes, yes, at home. Um, if you know about Lawrence Taylor, which I do because I grew up loving Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence Taylor wasn't in the film room. He was a guy who played off instinct and just played off just being an animal on the field. You kind of get a feel like that with Leonard. You, he's a guy, once he puts his feet, in, his feet in cleats, he straps it on. He does his job, and he does his job at 100%. He's not one of those guys that walks off the field feeling like, man, shoulda, coulda, woulda. He actually leaves it all out there. And so seeing him play and watching how he handles his business is kind of refreshing because he's, he's a guy who's not a big guy. He's not a, he doesn't have a menacing figure. He's just a guy who, once he gets on the field, he sees ball, gets ball, and he makes and he makes it happen. So I like the guy. I do. I, I got I got nothing but respect for him. Um, outside of him, outside of him being my my frat brother, he's a he's an absolute dog. I think he's a, he has a bright career. Um, this was cool. Uh, so we met him in Orlando at like this uh, um, Universal Studios like player day that you know uh, Willie hooked it up um, with. That was players only and their families. And, you know, you're walking next to Zeke Elliott, Drew Brees, like these guys. I will say that from my perspective, from being just a fan of the game, you know, seeing all these guys play every Sunday, and then meeting Darius Leonard, he was actually the most personable guy that we met. He was, like, very cool and just, like, talking with us. Um, And it was also very cool to see you get excited about taking a picture with someone because that is a (laughs) real Um, I want I, I want to throw you this picture because you know we're in the same frat, so you guys, are, you know, the Q dog, which is very cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, when he came in for the interview, great guy. Uh, I think he opened up definitely, um, especially once we talked about his high school game. He was 
in a, a state championship football game down 21 uh, up 21 points in the fourth quarter and lost. He got stiff arm on the like, goal line. Uh, and that really fueled his, um, like he, this is a guy who plays with a huge chip on his shoulder. He name searches himself after every game just so he can get more like hater fuel. This is a guy who I would never bet against because he is an absolute monster. His nickname is the maniac. He is, you know, as you said, a sea ball, get ball linebacker, just a lot of really cool stories about, uh, you know, what he projects for his future. You know, I asked him, you know, what does the future hold? He said he wants to play 12 years. He's already played two. So that's 10 more. He wants to win uh, 10 Super Bowls. Um, he wants, or no, he wants to win 10 defensive player of the year. He wants to win eight Super Bowls. He wants seven Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, like he's a very driven guy and he just, you know, just going back to his first day of senior world practice, he was all fun one-on-ones and he just, you know, straightened it out. Uh, and the other thing that stood out to me was, I think he actually does have a photographic memory. Um, a, he recognized me, like remembered that we had met, which was very odd. Like, you know, I'm sure I'm one of hundreds of people that he met. Well, not too many out. Asian guys with a glass. Thing <laughs> yeah. What black guys at the pro yeah. with dreads. Um, but the, he, he was saying uh, he could like, remember he knew the entire Bengals offense when they played week one, his rookie year, like he knew, every play they were going to run and where it was going and like that type of stuff. Um, he's just, I, I said on the show, I think he's going to, it's very young in his career. I think he's going to be a hall of famer. I think he's going to be like a no doubt hall of famer. I think he's that good of a player. It'll be very cool to see when he gets to free agency. Uh, you know, he said he wants to be completely reset the market. I think that'll be very interesting. He's going to be most likely the first $100 million plus linebacker. So really excited to meet him. He's obviously such a talented guy, young player, really smart for getting into media when he is, because, you know, he is such a good player that everyone wants to talk to him. He's setting himself up for a very successful post career. So I love the way he thinks. Yeah. I think what you're going to see from him going forward uh, as far as his game evolving, um, I, I could see this guy put his hand in the dirt at one point. Uh, and rushing off the edge because after a while, you know, it's one thing to kind of rush from the linebacker position, but if you can now, you know, venture over to what the Baltimore Ravens used to do uh, of having a kind of that hybrid linebacker that can rush and really get after the quarterback, he has the frame with enough, obviously meat and potatoes and he has the weight room a little bit more. Um, he can be a menace, man. I mean, the guy's already playing at an extremely high level. Um, I'm excited to see him go. I think the addition of Phillip Rivers is really going to complement him in that defense. And, you know, they have the offensive line. They have a couple. Eric Ebron is now a Steeler, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but they, they're going to get enough pieces to kind of – the Colts may be one of those sneaky good teams where, you know, come January, you're like, what? Oh, the Colts. What? Oh, okay. And once you go through their lineup and see who they have on that side of the ball, um, the, Colts, the Colts may be a serious problem come January. Yeah. Um, all right. So this was a really fun episode.